Welcome to the Prim and Prosper podcast. I'm Elizabeth Hathaway. And I'm Marinella Mazzucato. So Marinella, after we successfully completed an episode after 18 takes, uh, we're moving from the topic of perfectionism to body image this week. Yeah, and I think it ties in a little bit to what we were talking about last week, but this one I think needs a little bit more time. Agreed. It's a nice it's a nice follow-up to the concept of perfectionism because I think one way perfection manifests itself, especially for women, is in beauty standards and hence for many women body image issues. Um so I'm you know, to get us started, to kick us off, when, at what age or at what point in your life did you become aware that there were standards of beauty and how did you see yourself then fitting into those societal standards? For me, I think I started seeing the standards for beauty like probably as like a, maybe like a 10 year old I started noticing stuff like that like you know my hair was curly and it didn't go with what was going in with what was trending then and you know I had a little bit of a unibrow and I was like kind of scrawny and just all the things that you kind of want to be now that you're in your 30s you're like oh that was actually awesome (laughs) How do I get that bod back? I know. I'm looking at your curly hair, and I'm wondering how I can get some curly hair as a very straight-haired woman. It's just neglect. That's what I recommend. It's also neglect on my part that gets it to be so straight. Good job. (laughs) Look, it's killing it. But yeah, that's when I that's when I noticed. Yeah. So I was similar age. I was I was gonna say like middle school, which would probably put us at. Maybe a little bit older than 10. Um, and maybe I even noticed it before then, but I distinctly recall middle school being a time that I was acutely aware of how I should look and that I was not meeting those standards. Um, the things that were most obvious for me was this whole, right, I was a child of the 90s, we both were, and there to me was this image of being very you know, thin or heroin chic, as I've heard it uh, referred to. And I was not heroin chic thin. Um, I was an athletic kid. So I was pretty muscular when I was growing up. And especially with my arms, I played softball. And I also just gained a little bit of weight in my arms. So between the muscle and the fact that I gained weight there, I felt like I had, I don't know, like uh, some sort of you know those memes where it shows like someone masturbating with one arm it's like jacked and the other <laughs> arm is really skinny i just felt like yes. both of my arms were jacked um which was not in vogue and i was acutely aware of it and i would avoid dressing in tank tops and i lived in florida and i would avoid it because i didn't want to show off my arms i was so embarrassed by them And they were muscular too, right? So it's like something actually probably to be proud of, but you were just looking for that look that was so popular then. Totally. I wish I had those arms now because it's like the Sarah Connor look or the, you know, like the Michelle Obama arms. And everyone's like, I wish I had Michelle Obama arms. I'm like, I had them when I was a kid, but I don't have those now. They've left me. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, I guess I did have that heroin chic look, but it just felt like uh, so opposite of everybody else, maybe, that it, it, it seemed not normal. Maybe if I had looked ahead, I'd have been a little bit more thrilled. So do you think that this impacted, like, what areas of your life do you think this impacted? Friendships? Um you know, relationships? Um, For me, I think it impacted friendships a lot. Like, I definitely, I wasn't a very confident kid because of those, like, body differences that I had. And in a way, actually, I think it probably was beneficial because, you know, I was friends with other kids that probably felt the same way. And I probably had a little bit of a less superficial friendship with those girls than, you know, girls who were talking about like their hair and how perfect everything was and had that confidence. I just, you know, I was kind of part of a little outcasty group. Yeah. I think it also, in a similar vein, affected who I became friends with um, because I didn't feel like I ever fit in looks-wise. I was definitely attracted friendship-wise to, um, you know, others who weren't necessarily trying to emulate some sort of a look uh, and that we could just, like, connect on different levels. And I'm not trying to – I should, like, side note that I don't want to – shame any kids who grew up you know trying to emulate the body image standard um because i i think so many and and in certain ways i did myself um and and this is what this is all about right it's like these societal pressures on us so there's nothing wrong with certainly trying to to fit in with the look of the time i don't mean to to shame anyone i just know that you and i both were kids who didn't really fit in and sought out other kids who didn't fit in but there's nothing inherently wrong if you try to fit in with the luck because we're all just trying to freaking survive and navigate those preteen years yeah i mean deep deep down i wanted to uh fit in i just no matter what i did it just wouldn't happen for me obviously i just couldn't plump up or just be something different but that's that the desire was there Mm -hmm. I I will say that when I got to a teenage my teenage years and my body started to like change I started to like have an ass and I started to actually like put on a little weight then I started getting that attention and I kind of turned into that kind of like finally I've made it you know what I mean like I can fit in with these people and I embraced the shit out of it at that time. <laughs> Man, I don't feel like um, puberty did me any favors. Puberty just brought acne, and my boobs did not grow as much as I wanted them to. Again, I was still pretty athletic at the time, and I did not, I did not grow in that capacity. So puberty was a pretty disappointing time for myself. Yeah, I, would, I didn't luck out in the boob department. Only, like, now at this age are my boobs, like, kind of, I'm like, oh, they're pretty impressively sized for what they used to be. And now I find it more annoying where I'm like, these things are, I don't, I, no, no more size here, please. Like, I want to be able to be comfortable at the gym. I just, you know, I don't want to worry about anything falling out. I'm just done, you know what I mean? But 
it's just so crazy how your opinion of those things changes with time and age. Yes. And similar to you, this is the largest my breasts have ever been. And I also wish I could perhaps go back to my teen years and not have to deal with, you know, sports bras that are like a, um, you know, what, what is it called in the psychiatric ward? Uh, restraint jacket. <laughs> That's what I feel like I have to use for sports bras now. And I, I wish I didn't have to. Uh, <laughs> but, but back to childhood and that traumatic time. How do you see body image affecting like your self-worth? You know, how you valued yourself? I know you touched a little bit on, you know, confidence concerns. Oh, yeah. I was... I was really shy, you know, not confident at all in how I looked. Um, kind of a tomboy in a way, but like I think I did it out of not really having the courage to even like try to like go after those like body image things. I just automatically was like, I, I can't be that, you know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of how it affected me. Yeah. I mean, I also probably struggled certainly with with confidence and putting myself out there, especially putting myself out there for any sort of activities where I'd have to show my body in a certain way. Um, Like my best friend was a cheerleader and I didn't really have interest in cheering because I knew that they in particular, were held to this very high beauty expectation, um, which is which is completely unfair. But I was like aware of that and felt that I would not fit in, and so avoided even even doing cheerleading or attempting to. Um, same kind of thing with swim. I'm actually a pretty decent swimmer, and I avoided taking or like competing in, in swimming or joining a team, anything like that, for that same reason that I, I lacked the confidence. I was afraid I'd be judged, um, you know, and I was also really afraid I'd be judged by other girls because I think a, like a trend that I observed is, you know, you want to put someone else down that didn't look like you or didn't fit into the to whatever the norms are and I was like so fearful of being targeted to put be put down uh that I just like avoided those those moments altogether yeah I would say that like putting a bathing suit on and something like that was it was more so I was afraid of people's like constant comment of like oh she's so skinny or you know she you know I was like 12 and maybe I reminded them more of an eight-year-old or nine-year-old like I was just embarrassed that I seemed like behind or delayed or just you know and then I got a I got a short haircut and people would mistake me for a boy all the time because I was just like flat chested you know just like very lanky not you know I wore boys clothes and it's it bothered me a lot but yet that's kind of how I felt a little bit more comfortable too so not getting outside of that box mm-hmm. yeah I definitely dressed in more androgynous or even more like masculine clothing as well and I think 
it was because at that time, and again, putting the context that you and I grew up in Florida, so it's very hot. You want to not wear much clothing. Um, and women's clothing or, or girls' clothing at that time was all like kind of like those tight-fitting tanks and spaghetti strap tops, and I did not feel comfortable in that sort of thing. I felt much more comfortable in like a baggy T-shirt that a guy would wear. So yeah, I I was hesitant to accentuate my body in any way, fearful of it, you know, and not even just lack confidence. It truly was kind of like fearful of doing it. So I avoided it and embraced the tomboy. And I do think naturally I'm a, a bit of a tomboy anyways. Like I liked playing outdoors and climbing trees and that sort of stuff was right up my alley anyways. Um mm-hmm. But I definitely had no no confidence and a lot of fear about dressing in anything that might be form fitting. Yeah, I, you know, and I struggled with like those feminine things, like putting on a dress. You know, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's not for me. But I have to do it, and I do look nice, and people are telling me that I look nice, but I just felt so out of place. Um, that could have been when the whole gay thing started to come into fruition for me where I was like, oh, you know, that girl looks pretty good, but this doesn't look like me. Um, but as far as you were saying with like form fitting clothes, it's, it, it's still true for me today where like, I don't really want to wear anything that's form fitting unless I'm feeling really good about what my body looks like. And I mean, there's just some things that are meant to be form fitting, um, unless you're wearing like a t-shirt or something like that baggy. And I kind of have gone through that series of time where I like really deprived myself of any like fashion stuff just because I was embarrassed about how it fit. Totally. So in understanding that we both struggled with how we saw ourselves as little kids, where do you think some of that messaging came from, right? Because we didn't inherently view ourselves this way. And I think we've touched on this a bit, you know, in like magazine cultures, uh, perpetuating that heroin chic look in the 90s. And that has changed a little over time. But right, there's still this photoshopped, um, you know, model that's on the cover that's completely flawless, doesn't have a piece of cellulite on her body, doesn't have a scar, uh, doesn't have, you know, a wrinkle anywhere. Um, so I know that that was one area where I felt that I got that messaging was like the media and magazines, you know, specifically. Yeah, I would say most of mine probably came from like TV and music at the time, you know, music videos were life then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you forgot you know, the Gwen Stefani all the way up into Britney Spears, like they were definitely showing their bodies, you know, lean, provocative a little bit. And it's just, it was new. Like that wasn't really happening as much outside of maybe Madonna, but that was, Madonna was before my time. So mm-hmm. yeah. And Apologies in advance for the ambulance that's going by, if you can hear it. Uh, You know, I live in Chicago, and uh, I live on a busy street, and that's the reality of my life. Um, And my microphone isn't that expensive. Uh, Speaking of Britney Spears and Christina, and this is probably more of a topic 
for a different time. But one thing that I've noticed as I reflect back on that period of time is how those two women were pitted against each other in some capacity uh, that that they were, you know, you were either team Brittany or team Christina. And it was like, you couldn't support both. And I was like, why, why do we create this like pitting women against each other? Like they were both fantastic. They were both queens of pop music. They didn't have to like, you didn't have to choose, but there felt like this forced choice between the two. That was a little tangent, I know, because it's not totally related to body image. Um, but I just had to say that when you mentioned those two. Oh yeah, I I remember like how made how they made them seem so different. Like Britney Spears is like just the girl next door, and you know Christina Aguilera was like a hellion, and they just had like their different you know personalities. But I bet I'm sure realistically they were very similar in personality, being that age, doing the same thing, coming from the same like Mickey Mouse Club stuff. Like, come on. I do think, right, they purposefully, and by they, I mean like their record albums, their agents, you know, all these people that are kind of involved with presenting Britney and Christina to the world, right, they purposely dress them. You know, I remember, you know, Britney, of course, did her video where she's wearing the little Catholic school get up. Um, and even though she wore sexy clothing, you're right, she always had you know, this look that was like the girl next door look, whereas Christina was given things like the the music video where she's got the like chaps on um, mm-hmm. and she's, you know, her hair is more of an edgy look than Britney's hair was, right? So it was kind of, um, their images were very much presented to us as like, are you the girl next door? Or are you the rebel? Are you team Britney? Or are you team Christina? Um, and it did feel like you had to, again, you know, emulate which one of these people you were based on how you dressed and how you, you know, looked. Yeah. And that had to have been of benefit to both of like their managers or the record label or the genre of music to, for them to like capture these two different like personalities. Cause like, think about when you went to school, like what crowd were you a part of? Were you like you know attending class and behaving or were you in detention or you know like there's just there's going to be a following and they seem to really nail it yeah for sure um so totally in agreement that i feel like you know magazines or the media at large television shows uh, music were all heavy influencers on you know how we see ourselves body image I feel like for me on a more personal level, I remember hearing some of that discussion in the home. I used to, um, I, my family, we used to get together every Sunday and have dinner. And I can recall a handful of times, you know, my grandmother making side comments to my mother about her weight or how much food she was eating. Um, And they were always said in a pleasant way. And I'm not here to like drag my grandmother, you know, over the, over the coals here. I think, again, this goes back to decades and centuries of things that, you know, women have been taught that they kind of just pass down unless they try to make a real effort to recognize and and stop it. 
um, which is why we're trying to talk about this so that we can recognize these things and not continue to pass them down through society. Uh, but I remember hearing that message like literally at the dinner table, right? Like she would make some of those comments to my mom. Um, and so it wasn't until later in life that I was reflecting back. Cause I think at the time I didn't even pick up on them as being anything significant. And now as I look back, I'm like, wow, that's like, holy cow, who says those things to their daughter? But it's because I've started to look at things with a different set of eyes. And it's only now that I'm realizing and recognizing these things. Yeah, I would say like the generations before us, like, you know, my mom and maybe her her mother, my grandmother, had have this open, like, almost they, they give themselves that permission to like comment on how somebody looks. And even if it's a positive thing, sometimes you kind of like, I have to sometimes remind myself, like if I see somebody attractive, it's not really my place to let them know at the same time. Like it's a nice thing. It's a compliment, but like, you know, there's other things that you could be complimenting somebody on or what I think about your body is really not really much of, my business and it's especially worse when it's somebody like taking jabs at how you look or telling you what you need to improve you know I've gotten some of that from some of like my closest friends that are like you know you, you look like you've lost some weight you kind of had like a little you know whatever going on you know, like a little belly or something like that and just they're almost trying to be helpful and encouraging but at the same time you you can't help but notice you'd be like this person is talking about my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as genuine as a compliment as I used to think it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't even considered this when we were, you know, each preparing for this episode, but hearing you say that, just like light bulb went off. Um, I feel like little boys and men are almost never complimented on their looks. Not to say they aren't. I think they're, they are at times, but very little in comparison to how frequently women are complimented on their looks. And I know someone's listening like, what's wrong with complimenting someone? You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And inherently, no, there's not anything wrong with complimenting. But when you're always giving women compliments only on appearance and you're giving men compliments on what they've accomplished or, you know, something that they've done. Like you're, you're constantly sending messaging that the only thing that's important for women is how they look. And for men, it's about what they do and what they accomplish, you know? So it's like this subtle signaling, even through something as kind as a compliment. Yeah, you're kind of reinforcing, like, that idea in their head. They're like, okay, I I guess I'm looking good. Like, I I better keep this up. Like, I know when somebody gives me a compliment now about looking more fit, my first thought is, like, keep on going. You know what I mean? And, And it can become, like, an obsession for me to be like, okay, this person's opinion of me is good now. Um, I better keep it up, you know, because then you're afraid to lose that opinion about what people think of how you look. Totally. So, also, if you're in a room and you're, you know, 
even complimenting somebody and there's somebody else that you're not complimenting, you have to kind of think about like, I've given this person a compliment on how they look and then this person hasn't received anything and it just seems like an evaluation, you know? Mm -hmm. And people notice that stuff when they're not receiving the same kind of compliments. It's not going to make them feel great about their body image. Mm-hmm. Totally. It also makes me think of the trope of, um, like, the beautiful housewife and the, like, overweight dad bod husband. Like, how many how many sitcoms, even very recently, have a gorgeous woman who is, is shown as being put together and then, like, the classic dad bod look? And not that there's anything wrong with either of those appearances, but again, it's a messaging that like you can be an average in shape dude and get the most banging in shape woman. Um, And so it's like for women, you better be her. Otherwise, don't even bother. Yeah. Or you can be the guy and, you know, have the dad bod. But it's okay because you're you're hilarious on the show. You're a good dad. You're a good husband. You know, like it, it's all just made up for. Um, I can't think of too many examples of like women like that on TV. Who who was like that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or even an example of Roseanne. Like... I don't know. She was probably oh. it, and then you know she crossed some lines too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was, I cannot remember the movie's title, but it stars um, Rebel Wilson, is that her name? Um, who was in like Pitch Perfect. And yeah. so it's her, and then I think it's Liam Hemsworth. And it's like a spoof on like romantic comedies, and he like falls deeply in love with her. And I kind of love that it's a twist on like that stupid trope of like gorgeous women and you know, a a less athletic man. Um, And don't get me wrong. I think Rebel Wilson is beautiful, but I think she's hilarious first Mm -hmm. and foremost. Like that's the quality about her that like strikes me immediately. Um, And they're clearly trying to spoof on, like they really play down Liam Hemsworth other qualities. He's just like this good looking dude that doesn't have much else going on. So they're, they're clearly poking fun you know, at the the normal romantic trope. Yeah. Cannot remember the movie's title, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think about it myself, but I don't... I know what movie you're talking about. I just can't think about the title. Yeah, because that's the only example I can think of where they kind of reverse that stereotype, and it's they're doing it to poke fun at how, how stupid it is. Um, so... We've talked about our insecurities from childhood. We've talked a bit about what we think fuels those, um, you know, in society or in our personal lives. Now to get personal about where we stand with body image at our current ages. Want to share? At my, at my current age, I still, like, have an idea in my head about, like, what I want this body to look like. It's much different than what, you know, is portrayed, like, in the in the pop culture and media. Like, I don't look at Kim Kardashian and want to be that now. But, like, I want to have that athletic build. I want to have, like, the body that 
obviously takes lots of work and dedication. And to me, like just joining like a gym or like following certain social media accounts, you start to get flooded with, you know, people that are achieving that. And it's kind of like, you almost start to believe like, oh, I could get there. But like, you, you just don't realize how much work those people are putting in, how short term those results are, you know, like, we have a friend that does, you know, bodybuilding competitions, and we know how hard she works and how much she has to like, prepare for that and how short lived those like, moments where she's that, you know, perfect almost looking athletically and it's not sustainable but you're kind of made to believe like I could be that all the time and it could be healthy but it's not yeah I too am trying to embrace a more you know athletic build um, but also just like embrace where I am right now. Like I have a body that can get me around and functions. And honestly, that's a blessing that a lot of people don't have. Um, So I'm, I'm trying, I wish I was there. I'm not fully there. I still look at myself sometimes and notice the flaws or the things I don't like first. Um, But I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, be appreciative of what my body is capable of. And I guess that's part of what I'm trying to do is shift my mind from like just the appearance and think a little bit more on the functionality, like my body functions, but I can improve that if I were to get more athletic. And as I continue to work out, hopefully I improve things like my strength and my balance and, you know, my range of motion and flexibility and all of those attributes you know, associated with functioning. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to shift my mindset to that place, but I still absolutely struggle with body image. And, and if I'm being quite frank, the only progress I think I've made from 10 year old Elizabeth is just recognizing that 10 year old Elizabeth didn't have a healthy mindset about it. And that's maybe about the only progress I've made is just knowing that that's not healthy but I'm still not to a healthy place. Yeah. I think the healthiest thing for me that I've kind of made a switch to is like me caring more about how I look for me than Mm -hmm. for like what it's going to attract. Like I don't care about like if I have, you know, big muscular legs, I'm going to be doing it to attract somebody who's interested in big muscular legs now I just go for whatever I think I'm going to feel comfortable in so I can, you know, just be in my own skin, happy with myself. And another thing that, like, it does relate to body image is, like, aging. That's a big one for me where I'm like, okay, I have to realize that, you know, I'm 36. Looking back at a picture of me when I was 24 with not a care in the world like, yes, my jawline was more defined then, you know, yes, there was less fat here, less wrinkles, like, you know, just stuff like that, where I'm like, I don't want to ever try to define my age, because 
I see people do it and it just seems like even more exhausting than trying to get your body in shape because there's no defying age. You can try a little, but you got to be real about it. Yeah. And that's another one that the media in Hollywood is just not great about. They always want older women to look younger than they are. I feel like I don't have statistics on this, but I feel like they cast women to be like the parent of, you know, whatever kids. And they're only like five to 10 years older than the person that they're playing the parent of because they don't want a woman who looks the appropriate age to be the actual parent. Um, And then for a lot of women in Hollywood, I think there's pressure to have like plastic surgery and keep a very youthful look. And you're right. Like, We need to understand aging is just part of the human process. It happens naturally. And what you look like when you're 50 is not the same as when you're 30. And it's not the same as when you're 10. Um, You know, that that, that that's just how it is. Uh, And I I haven't necessarily struggled with the aging aspects yet although I feel like that's probably on the horizon for me like (laughs) it's it's coming um it's not because I think I look so youthful like I definitely notice a difference when I look at pictures from my child or not my childhood but like my early 20s I can tell like a huge you know I've obviously aged and I look like a baby when I see myself um from my 20s I think it's just my brain is so consumed with the other body image issues that it like doesn't have space to put aging into into it as well it's like no we'll deal with you later we're dealing with you know how I look on my belly and my arms and my ass so aging is just gonna have to take the back burner to all these other body image priorities I mean it's good that you can focus on one thing to hate you know (laughs) because I'm all over it like I there was a point where I'd like see a gray and I'd just rip it out. But now I'm like, I can't rip out all these hairs. This is crazy. I've got to stop and just have the gray hairs that are very minimal in this big mop of dark hair still. But just things like that or like, you know, bags under my eyes or <sighs> what else? I've I've noticed more women like and I mean, this is probably good for your you know dental health, but I've noticed more women um getting braces at a, at a later age because they they want those perfect straight teeth. Like I myself have always been like kind of self-conscious about like my, my smile and thought like if I can only have like that perfect smile now, then, you know, like I'll finally feel confident and complete. And I just thought, you know, I've gone my whole life with this smile. Like why do I want to change it now? Yeah. It's like fulfilling that one thing that, you didn't quite get, but mm-hmm. I've just noticed that so much more that people are correcting their smiles cosmetically or at a, at a much later age. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Um, and and I had braces as a kid uh, because my teeth were, <laughs> I mean, I had the whole <laughs> gambit, jaw widener. Uh, teeth pulled, all sorts of retainers. I mean, I I went through the entire orthodontal, uh, like Olymp- like decathlon. Went through the decathlon of uh, orthodontia. Um, but I was wanting to focus 
a little bit. We started to talk on this on, on ways that we are trying to combat our struggles with body image. Uh, so are there any additional ways besides the ones we've touched on that that you are embracing or trying to work on? Um, what I embrace more is like the, so I'll, I'll wear like a, a monitor to see like how many steps I've taken, you know, like I, I do fo- focus more on like the metrics of health now. Um, you know, drinking w- tons of water now feels good. Eating healthier, like those are the things for me that is a positive way to look at your body as like, how am I nourishing myself? You know, how am I decreasing my risks for certain things to be happening to me? You know, just real things that are going to matter. Yeah, so shifting your... Um you know, your focus from appearance to health instead of spending all day judging your looks, <laughs> focusing mm-hmm. on the things you can control, taking care of your health and your body. Yeah, or yeah. like focusing on those things that I do really like personally enjoy about myself, you know, like I've got some strong eyebrows. Like I, you know, people tell me you all the time do. and I'm like finally like, you know what? I really... I really do enjoy them. I mean, I don't know why, but it's got to celebrate like those one things that make you feel super confident. Yeah, no, that's that's a great tip because it's not like you shouldn't totally avoid thinking of your appearance because that's not that's not the answer either. Right. Um, So I, I think you're right. Like focus on the things that are your strong attributes. We all have them. Um, So whatever that is for you. Try to try to embrace that and accentuate that and try to, I know this is easier said than done. As I mentioned, I still struggle with body image, even though I've been trying to uh, nip that in the bud. But, you know, try to, to let go of the things that aren't the way you'd want them to be, especially if they're outside of your control, right? Like there's certain things, certainly if you're working out, taking care of your health that will improve appearance-wise, But there's other things that are completely outside of your control. You know, like if you are somebody who wants wider hips, like I wish I had a little bit wider of hips. Well, guess what? Like my hips stopped growing. The bones are not going to expand anymore. They are as wide as they are ever going to be. I mean, I can certainly, you know, add muscle to that area, but not necessarily to the to the extent that I would want it to be added. Um, So I've tried to just you know, accept that that's the reality and that's okay. Um, so yes, I, I agree with your, you know, idea of shifting focus. Another thing that I'm trying to do is not do the comparison game. I really tend to, you know, we've touched on this, I think in the last episode, I'm heterosexual, but when I look at women, it's not from per se an attraction level, it's a hundred percent comparison. How do I look mm-hmm. compared to them? You know, what are their features? You know, their ass looks better than mine. She's got that wide hip that I would like that I don't have. You know, it's all it's all of that comparison game. So when I am in public and I see a woman and I find myself doing it, I'm trying to stop the behavior in its tracks and just look somewhere else. Like honestly, just 
I know I can't even look at her and not do the comparison game. So I just need to look somewhere else and give myself a distraction to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, for for a lesbian, it's a whole different kind of body comparison Oof. because you are trying to uh, you are trying to be a woman. But at the same time, there is a certain presence of a lot of lesbians that emulates like a masculine feel. So you kind of are like kind of scoping out both sides. Like, I kind of like this about this guy, and but I still am like like this about women and you're you're just trying to create like this this god of the morph of both of these people and it's like you have a lot of inspiration everywhere which is great but i mean it's it's kind of it's exhausting to try to become like you know one of the characters on the l word which have you ever watched that show um i've seen like an episode but i haven't watched it regularly they brought it back after like years and years of being off. And it's actually a really good example of seeing like a whole cast of women when they were young and bringing them back and showing them how they've aged um, and how they've changed and everything. And the amount of criticism people are giving these women on the show right now is insane. They're like, oh my God, she got so old. It's like, it's been 20 years, you know what I mean? But yeah yeah another another thing that i do too is like i there are parts of myself that i didn't really like as much but i try to embrace like my unique identifiers if you will like the bump in my nose like i've tried to picture like what i would look like with a perfect nose and i think to myself that 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 wouldn't be me Mm -hmm. and so i've learned to like like that kind of thing you know like like the Barbara Streisand, like who is she without her, you know, her features and Completely. how many people have lost like those unique identifiers and been like sacrificed. <laughs> yes. Well, as a fellow bump in the nose person, I will say mm-hmm. I've done something similar that I've just kind of embraced that that is is unique to me and you're right I because I used to want a nose job when I was a kid like oh we got to shave this bump of the nose down uh but I don't I would look so different I wouldn't be me and you know I got this nose from my mom like in some regards I'm a carbon carbon copy of my mother and that's like one of the things that I've learned to love you know she's past and I love that I can look at my nose and know I inherited it from her I know that probably sounds slightly bizarre but I agree had I gotten rid of that you know I would look and be like oh I made myself look different than my mom and that would I think Mm -hmm. bring me like a certain level of sadness uh so I like this concept of you know embracing your unique your uniqueness um this may sound probably a bit more extreme but it's really been beneficial for me probably been the most beneficial thing for me is getting off Facebook and I've never had an Instagram so that I'm also off of um, so basically I'm off of like social media platforms I don't have Snapchat I don't have TikTok I don't have Twitter I don't even know where all the social media platforms are but I don't have any of them Um, And I know that this is not an approach for everybody, but for me, it's been probably the biggest game changer because I feel like 
now I have to actively seek out images of women, right? And I can kind of control a bit more like what I watch, what I consume. Um, it's not just like I get on Facebook and I'm bombarded with, you know, a lot of images um, or or Instagram for that matter. So that's been a huge one for me. I know it's not for everyone, but I think even sometimes taking like a detox from it and stepping away for like a week or or limiting to how much you look at it a day, like maybe only allow yourself 30 minutes or an hour. I think those things can really have a big impact too. Oh yeah, I think for sure, like the times that I've taken away from, uh, been away from social media have been the ones where I was like, at my best like you know not searching for that approval or you know waiting for those likes and things like that where you're just like you become addicted to that kind of stuff where you need to you need to feel that approval and it's it's nice to remove that temptation I mean it'd be great if I could just get on there and never feel that way at all that's the ultimate goal for me to have like social media and indeed just use it for connecting with people that I care about um, but it, it takes some work to get there, I think. So I definitely limit my time on there to, you know, a little bit in the morning and maybe sometime at, at night before I go to sleep. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a trap. <laughs> yeah. So I think on that note, we're looking to wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe take some of our suggestions or even if you don't, I hope that you take an opportunity to reflect on, you know, how you see yourself and give yourself a little internal hug, if you will. Um, so from one fellow bumpy noser to the other bumpy noser, is that what we're going to call yes, ourselves? I am, a bumpy, I am a bumpy noser. Yeah. <laughs> take care, everyone, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. See you next time. <laughs>